1: grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the Senior Pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a new series called The Elephant in the Family Room, and today's topic is on marriage, which is the first institution that God created. This one flesh, exclusive, permanent relationship with a foundation for family growth. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message called The Elephant of Marriage. Pastor Sean is teaching from Ephesians and Matthew 19. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Follow the same leader. Have the same compass at the core of your being. Because when you don't, everything becomes more difficult. Look at all the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now we know this passage isn't specifically talking about marriage. We quote it all the time to our young people when they're dating, and they're making these kind of choices and decisions, because it's just great sense. But do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That, they could be talking about business partners. But they're also talking about marriage. Anything where you become a partner, you become yoked with someone. Now see, when a believer marries an unbeliever, everything is hard. Every decision is difficult. What are we going to do with our money? Well, the Bible says, and your partner goes, oh, yeah, I don't believe that. I don't care about that. Yeah, I'm reading this book, and this guy's got a new idea, and let's try that. Well, yeah, but the Word of God says, and it's timeless, and it's, yeah, I don't believe that. just got tough. Got a difficult issue with your kids? Well, the Bible says, and the, the Lord says, and yeah, I don't believe that. So no, I, I'm not with that. You know, I saw this. I saw this guy on Oprah, and it was wow. He sounded really smart. It's great. It's like you have no common center, no common core. Everything becomes difficult more difficult because you're not following the same leader when you both are followers of Jesus Christ you have a common foundation and framework from which to make all those decisions and deal with all those issues that come up in the context of marriage the first submission is submission to Christ so many things so many things work better when you're following the same leader second level of submission is submission to our roles submission to our roles and that's one of the most shocking parts of that passage Wives, you are called to submit to your husband as unto the Lord because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And and I want to say real quickly, in any cultural context, that is a very challenging instruction. In our current cultural context, not only is it a challenging instruction, it's almost downright offensive. You have to understand this is God's structure for a family. God doesn't say women submit to men. He doesn't say that. This is about a family. This is about, remember, the family is the core structure where people are raised, where God produces people. We have to understand, God is doing something very unique in the context of a family. He is teaching, by example, if you look at this passage of scripture, he is teaching us about two sides of authority. And that is a concept, so much of the brokenness in, in our world is about a, we do not understand authority, we don't know how to respond to authority, we don't know how to carry authority. And the very sin nature, pride, the sin nature rebels against authority. And so God is saying in the home, I want to give two models. I want to give a model of healthy leadership and authority, and I want to give a model of healthy followership in under authority. And one of the things about, and marriage is no exception, I believe the key to authority is held by the person who's under authority, not the person who's over. Now, I, I think both can obviously influence it. But the person who's under authority in a free society like ours gives permission I give the key. And that's what God is talking about here. He's saying, you first submit to Christ, but I'm asking you to submit because I have an assignment for your husband in your family, in your home, and I want you to support that. And I want you to model a healthy response to authority that'll that'll transfer into into work life, it'll transfer into civic life, it'll transfer into church life, it'll transfer into every area of life. And he is modeling The wife, how to respond to authority? Sarah is a very interesting example. I'm sorry, I I skipped the passage of scripture that talks about Sarah. Let's read this together. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husband, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called called him her Lord. I've asked Lori to do that for me. She said no, um, (laughs) Open rebellion in my own house. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. See, Sarah is really a unique example because it it reveals that no woman on the face of the planet has a perfect man to follow his leadership when it comes to their marriage. Because there are no perfect men. And you go, well, but Abraham, he was... you got to understand. Sarah, (laughs) you remember when, when... God sent some messengers, and they said, Abraham, you're going to have a child, and he and Sarah are old. Do you remember what Sarah did? She laughed. She laughed. Abraham heard her, and God heard her. And said, so I didn't laugh. And God said, yes, you did. You laughed. I heard you. I'm God. I know a laugh. And then you remember what Sarah did. Okay? Now, Peter is bringing Sarah and saying, this is the example. What she, you remember that she, when, when okay, this isn't going to work, Abraham. You and I are too old. Here, you take my maidservant. Hagar, and you kind of sleep with her, and then that child, because she's my servant, that child will be representative, and that'll be the child, and we'll help God along. And that's the example that Peter uses. And you have to understand, um, Abraham, you remember what he did with Sarah? She was really beautiful. She was a looker. He ends up going into Egypt, fears the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, is going to see her and take her and kill him, so he says, tell everybody you're my sister. Tell everybody you're my sister. And so they do it, and Pharaoh does take her into his harem, and all of a sudden his whole household is struck, stricken with illness, and it's revealed, wait a minute, this is his wife. And he goes, why'd you do that? Well, uh, sorry. And you want to know what's best? He did it again years later. He did it again with Abimelech, king of Gerar. And this time God warned Abimelech. He said, yeah, you better not take that woman. She belongs to someone else. He says, why'd you do that? Well, I was afraid. It's a fascinating thing, and that's why in the passage here, it says, do not give way to fear. Do not give way to fear. This is a big trust issue. This is a trust the Lord issue. It really is. This is a trust the Lord issue, ladies, because your husband's not going to do it perfect. He's not going to be the perfect leader. He's not. He's a guy, but God has given him a calling and an assignment. And he's not going to do it perfectly. Uh, Lori and I don't have a lot of, we, have, we did, just haven't had a lot of these kind of areas where it's like, okay, you know, I, I, we disagree, we disagree. Because we usually, if it's a big decision, we pray about it. And we usually will come to kind of a consensus. But occasionally, there have been those times when she's like, no, I really think she does. And I'm like, no, I really and And she'll say, she'll say, well, okay, God put you in charge. You, you, I, we'll, we'll go with your way. But if it goes south, it's on you. God, it's on him. You told me, God, it's whatever, God. And by the way, she's exactly right. I mean, we, I, I, I jest a little bit, but at a certain point, that's, and God is wanting to teach it. And my, my leadership mistakes are not fatal. God gives grace. We all walk in humility. He gives grace. I learn. Lori learns. We grow. It's a very interesting, interesting dynamic but remember you are submitting to christ first we have to trust him second husbands we've got to accept our role see we are called to love our wives with the sacrificial love of jesus and we know what he did he gave his life for the church and husbands are called to do the same for our wives So here's the deal, gentlemen, you need to know this. She has to submit, you have to die. That's what the scripture says. See, we're modeling the two sides of leadership. Proper response to authority, even when authority might not be right. Authority's never going to be perfect unless it's Jesus' authority, God's authority. But, gentlemen, he's called on you to model sacrificial Christ kind of leadership giving your life for your family. And every dude in the room had a big gulp. Because that will wake you up when you realize. I mean, we get all worked up for the poor ladies who have to kind of, oh my gosh, that's so hard. And and then what he's saying is, guys, she has to submit, you have to die. You have to serve your family. I find it fascinating. And I think significant. Husbands being challenged in our self-centeredness. And wives being challenged with the issue of control. Isn't that interesting? I know in, in my marriage, self-centeredness is one of the biggest obstacles I have to get over. To Follow this out and to live this. I have to deal with the fact that I'm selfish. There's a part of my nature, the carnal nature, that's going to want what I want when I want it. And honestly, to be and uh, and Lori would probably, she'd stand here before you and tell you, yep, control is something I, I'm sometimes afraid to give up control. And God's asking both of us to be dealt with in those areas and to model something different. I have to say, I think she's done a lot better job of addressing her issue than I have with mine. But God is good. We're still growing and we're still traveling. I think if there's anything in this that we have to understand is we, we desperately need Jesus. I can't lay down my life for my family the way Jesus did without his strength and his help. I don't believe that any of us can submit to another person that God calls us to, wherever that authority is, a marriage, work. I think we need, because of the pride in our lives, we need the Spirit of Jesus. We need His strength to do that.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Elephant of Marriage, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: And the last submission that talked about, there's a submission to one another. See, we're not a free agent anymore. It, it involves putting my spouse's interest before my own. One of the ways we, we do this is, you know, it, I've been called, given an assignment in my home, to be that representative and to lead as Christ led. What that means is if I'm a wise leader, I'm going to let her lead where she is strong. And she's going to trust me to lead where I'm strong. There is this mutual submission to one another. Okay? And I really believe this is an area I've grown in a lot, and I think we do it. Just come check out my house, see if you can find my TV. You'll see who led there. <laughs> it's a secret. Shh. See, the secret bonds of matrimony, the secret to the bonds of matrimony is knowing what the bonds of matrimony really are, and that bond of mutual submission is a powerful one. The second is the bond of Christ's love. The bond of Christ's love. See, husbands are called to model and set the tone. But this is for everyone in the family. The wife has to love as Jesus loved. The kids need to learn to love as Jesus loved. This is a sacrificial love. This is different. This is not like love we see on TV. This is not like love maybe even that was modeled for us. See, this kind of love is not a feeling that happens to you, it's a choice. First John three eighteen says this Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. See, love is a choice. I've told you before, we, we need to make love a verb, not just a noun. It's not something that just is out there and happens to me. It's a choice. It's a decision. When we come into the marriage relationship, sometimes our thoughts are all, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is what it's going to do for me. I'm going to, I'm going to, this person is going to meet my needs. It's going to be great. It's going to be so joyful. I'm, I'll never be lonely. And, and we're, we're very focused like this. See, that's the consumer part of us. Sacrificial love call, kind of turns that around and says, okay, what's the contributor part? How am I going to love her? How am I going to love him? That's the contributor part. That's, that's what sacrificial love, it's what do I give versus what I get? We're called to serve one another with sacrificial love, to build up, to encourage. Man, there's enough people who want to tear your spouse down. Don't join in that line. You don't need, you don't need to be that person. Be that cheerleader for your spouse. Gentlemen, cheer your wife on. God's gifted her. Get, kind of be her biggest advocate, her biggest cheerleader, her biggest supporter. Ladies, support your husband kind of, there's enough people trying to tear him down. You be the one who says, no, 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 God made you. God's gifted you. You can do it. I'm in your corner. Let's encourage each other. Let's support each other. Let's help each other. See, the bond of Christ's love, Christ's love is the ultimate observable love, right? Every time you see a cross, whether it's here, the cross we have here, or whether it's a jewelry around someone's neck, it's like, oh, yeah, Christ displayed his love and it cost him his life. Our love should be observable. You know, we, we, should, we should go on dates together. Husband, I don't care how long you've been married. Husbands, take your wife on a date. Remember, she's a girl, man. Go out with her. It's fun. We should date one another. Do thoughtful things for one another. Remember what you did to originally catch your spouse's eye? Do that. Okay, do that. Gotta know your spouse's love language. Oh god, I remember when that book came out. Oh, that oh. came to discover my wife's love language is me not doing what I want. <laughs> That's her love language. <laughs> she knows she's loved when I'm not doing what I want. No, no, but I, I did have to understand, just because I think we're very different, and she has learned the things that make me feel loved, and I know I'm important to her. I've had to learn. The things that make her recognize, wait, in, in my heart, after, after my love for Jesus and my creator, she's, she's number one. I'm thinking of her. I think she's awesome. I'm her biggest fan. I, I, she needs to know that. I need to find ways to help her understand that. See, the secret to the bonds of matrimony, the secret to the bonds of matrimony is knowing what the bonds of matrimony really are. And the bond of Christ's love is essential. And last thing, the bond of one flesh. The bond of one flesh. See, marriage is like no other relationship. It is one flesh. And that's why, folks, I want to say to you, it's that commitment to one another where you say, I am yours till death do us part, and you are mine till death do us part. That's why, why, folks, and listen to me on this, cohabitation is not marriage. Cohabitation is sin. And I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm not trying to be a bully. I'm not, but I am not being kind if I don't tell you the truth of God's word. That's not kindness. That's weakness. And there's too much at stake. Cohabitation is one of those things. Well, try it out. Cohabitation is simply a statement that says I'm not willing to commit to you. If you're cohabiting, if you're here and you're cohabiting, and it's like, oh wow, he's being kind of heavy. You need, you need to know. Go get married. If you love that person, you're committed to them, go get married. It, it really, it's, it's, you, can go to, you can go to a JP and get it done fast. Come to one of our pastors, we'll, we'll walk you through some, some kind of just some mentoring stuff to get you ready, but it doesn't take that long, and then we'll marry you. I mean, get married. Make the commitment to one another. And if you're not willing to make the commitment to, to one another, then don't live with one another. Because that undermines, that vision, that goal, that dream you have of an awesome marriage and a family and just of, of a heritage of God's goodness in your life. You, when you cohabitate, when you mess around outside of marriage, you literally are tearing at that vision. Stop and think about your vision of what your life and your marriage could be. But when you cohabitate or when you have sex outside of marriage, you are literally tearing at that vision and destroying that vision. Marriage, the bond of marriage is one flesh. You see your spouse as one with you. You take care of your spouse like you take care of your own body, the scripture says. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen three through 6 He said, we're told some Pharisees came to test him. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, Jesus replied? That at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Interesting. That's in Genesis, in the beginning when God ordained marriage. That's when Jesus talks about it and the Apostle Paul talks about it. This is a powerful concept, this one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. We are one. No separation. No separation. This is why the the just the the divorce rate and the 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 damage that divorce is doing to families is so broken because see when, when we get married, what we're saying is is i'm with you and you're with me, and we're one flesh we're family, and you don't divorce your family that's what we're saying, and you know when, and, and there's all kinds of opportunities in marriage for us to negotiate for things, you know, like all the different things on the house that Lorena negotiated. But we, we understood something very clearly. Negotiation is often we're on two sides of the table, and I'm trying to get as much I, as I can with giving up as little as I have to. That's negotiation in the world sense. When you're on the other side of the table with someone. One flesh removes the table. There's no table. It's just us. She's with me. I'm with her. It's like arguing with myself, which is really horrible. Because because what's good for her is good for me, what's good for me is good for her, because we're one flesh. It's a different way of looking at things. I don't see her as someone who's trying to take something from me and I'm trying to take something from her and we'll kind of come to some happy medium and we'll negotiate. I, I don't see her that way. We're one flesh. And yeah, that means you know my TV's in a corner behind a cabinet. Actually it worked out way better. I gotta tell you, it really is kinda cool. Yeah, anyway, I digress. She was right. I'll just say that she was right. But we're one flesh. And what's good for her is good for me because no one ever tries to hurt their own body. They take care of their own body. One flesh. That's why, folks, unfaithfulness in your marriage, it's not an affair, it's sin. It's not an affair, it's sin. It's destructive. When we have sex outside of marriage, we're tearing and destroying at the vision that vision that we have for an amazing family, an amazing marriage, we're literally tearing it down. When we have an affair with someone outside of our marriage, we're destroying our family. We're we're destroying ourselves. Because we're one flesh. We're literally self destructing. Because things are hard, things are tired, and someone else made us feel good. I want to challenge you, man. Don't give up on God's ideal for marriage. It is a gift. It's really good. It's really good. But you got to get through the hard stuff. See, that's the problem. We never get through the hard stuff. So many people quit before they get... You want to know the best stuff is on the other side of the hard stuff. The best stuff is on the other side of the hard stuff. That's when it gets really good. When you've gone through something that was difficult and painful and hard and you you fight for your marriage, you fight as one flesh, and you come out on the other side and you realize, man, we can get through that. We can get through anything. I remember why I love her. I remember there's nobody I'd rather fight with than Lori Azaro. Together, for our marriage, I mean, it's powerful. We we've gone through tough times. Everybody told us first year of marriage that's the toughest year. Toughest year. We had a blast. Our first year of marriage was a breeze. We had a great time. we were in Southern California. We we're youth pastors. We had a blast. You know, year one and two were great. And we're like, oh, we're so good at this. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Year seven, I don't know what it was. The number of God, ironically. Year seven was the toughest year. We, we both remember it. I don't even remember actually what was so tough. It was just we had a hard time. We were going through some tough stuff. Life was hard. We, you know, we're starting the ministry. It was financially difficult. There's just a lot of stuff. We both think back, yeah, year seven, that was a pain. But you know what? The good stuff's on the other side. Don't give up. I don't know where you are in regard to marriage. You may be here, and you may be single And going, I thought I wanted to get married, but I don't know. Good. Let me tell you, it's worth it. It's amazing. It's a gift of God. But you should be serious. Not something you do on a whim. You have a chance. If you're single, not married yet, you have a chance to do it right. Don't destroy the vision. Don't destroy the dream by believing the world instead of the Lord. Maybe you're here and your marriage is going really, really well. That's awesome. Cultivate it. Make sure you don't take it for granted. Take care of each other. But maybe you're here and your marriage is in trouble. And you're like, ooh. If I would have known he was talking about this, I wouldn't have come. Because this hurt. Hey, God had a word for you today. Listen to him. I want to say to you, we, we do. We have a great marriage ministry here called Re-Engage. And check it out. Talk to Pastor Mark. He oversees that. There's other things. If, if you can't get in on this class of Re-Engage, there's other things that we can do to help you. Don't give up. That's what I'm saying. Don't give up on God's design. Because it's worth it. A God-centered, Christ-centered marriage. Powerful, And God created some things. This passage gives us the anatomy of an awesome marriage. Trust Him. Trust His Word. The secret to the bonds of matrimony is knowing what the bonds of matrimony really are. That's Pastor
1: Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Elephant in the Family Room, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page.